Welcome to StoryCorps, Share Your Science. I'm Sandy Duick, a science communicator for the Bay Area Environmental Research Institute at NASA's Ames Research Center in Silicon Valley, California. In celebration of International Day of Women on March 8th, I'm chatting with Dr. Caroline Dang, who is also at Ames. Welcome, Caroline. Thanks, Sandy. It's great to be here. I know you're an expert in atmospheric science and materials science. You worked as a composite materials engineer at Boeing. Now at NASA Ames, you're a scientist in the Earth Sciences Division. You started out as an engineer, and now you're a scientist. You analyze particles in the atmosphere, and you compare them with particles collected from flight observations to try and better understand aerosols in Earth's atmosphere and how they interact with clouds and radiation. Who are you really? So I right now I, I analyze particles from flight campaigns and um, in a flight campaign there are just a bunch of different instruments on an airplane. So I've been focusing on looking at individual particles using um, different microscope techniques and that can complement um, the other data, so the other data in the flight campaign will include aerosol data, cloud data, trace gas data. Yeah, to, to kind of build a more comprehensive picture of, of a, a specific region. And, um, who am I really? That is a good question. Tell me a little bit about being an atmospheric scientist combined with a materials scientist and a materials engineer. As I mentioned, right now I study these aerosols are small particles that are suspended in the atmosphere. They are really important because they affect their radiation balance, they scatter and absorb light, um, they can act as nuclei for cloud formation, and these particles also affect human health because they're, they can be pretty small and go very deep into people's lungs, um, so affect people this way, and they might also have maybe composed of metals, which may be toxic, depending on, on the source of the aerosols. And of course, recently aerosols have also gained a lot of interest because COVID is an aerosol and there are a lot of wildfires. Are you actually doing any COVID studies yourself or at Ames? Uh, I am not doing any uh, COVID or Ames related COVID okay. research. My my group, the group that I work with, uh, my Ames advisor is um, affiliated with Tel Aviv University. So we've been looking briefly at kind of COVID cases as well as like meteorology and trace gases and aerosols in the area. So it's a small thing, but not a, a major. What about uh, materials science? Okay, yeah. So my undergrad, I went to University of Washington, and I was in several different majors at that time. I didn't really know what I wanted to study. Um, and uh, my older cousin's husband, he majored in material science, and I thought I would just take an intro class. And I, I really liked it. I immediately liked it because I think it was very interdisciplinary. It brought in you know, aspects of physics, chemistry, it was very, it could be very theoretical, but also very hands-on. You can be in lab and you could physically see something, physically build something, break something. In undergrad, I, I did some work in, in biomaterials, so materials that would go into a body and like were 
biocompatible and cells could grow in them and proliferate. I also, I was kind of all over the place, also materials. I did some like ceramics work. And then what I really liked was like composites work. But I think a lot of the reason why I liked that was it was a very, um, just at least, at least the way it was structured in college, a group effort. We would go in lab, we would build things like break, we would just spend, you know, days, nights even building and breaking things. People could build like paddle boards and like carbon fiber rings. It was like being a carpenter using very advanced materials. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, I, I just really liked the hands-on aspect of it. Nanomaterials, I mean, now they've been around for, for so long, but that was very exciting when I went to college because you know, it's this idea that when when things get smaller, that the physical and chemical properties of the material change nano level. So um, in college, that's what I did. Um, and then I worked. Um, so I'm, I'm mostly from Seattle, which is a huge aerospace. Um, and I, I worked in aerospace as a composite engineer for almost five years. And I moved to Philadelphia. And just the way the group was structured is they were um, a lot of older engineers and then every like 20 years or so they would hire it's just the way things work like they needed new people every 20 years and so I was kind of in this new group that of younger engineers that started and just learned so much that way because there was so much like tribal knowledge you know because people spend their entire careers working on something and they like pass it on and um, it almost felt like apprenticeships like a bunch of mini like apprenticeships you just like go in and you just like learn so much and it was a very good experience I learned so much about testing and designing new materials like failure analysis if something breaks in the fields they bring it back into lab and they try to understand why you know like what is you know is it the humidity is it the where something fails also looked at like some like radar absorbing material which you know kind of also made me interested in like the absorption properties of aerosols there's just a lot of uh links you wouldn't expect from from separate fields but what about the part of being um, an engineer versus a scientist i mean that always seems to be an issue when there are um, missions because what scientists want and what engineers want are sometimes very different and it might be hard to try to you know merge what a scientist wants with what an engineer can build okay yeah i think i also kind of struggled with just this transition because as an engineer, I um, kind of have a clear set of parameters of like, you know, if you're designing a material, it needs to sustain this low of this strain, this, you know, your your envelope, right, is pretty defined. And um, at least in, with my experience in science, it's, it's measure, measurements. So you get a lot of observational data and then just the mindset was, was quite different for me. I would say it was quite different for me to to go from trying to design a material or test a material to try to like analyze particles and try to understand what processes might have led to to these particles being the way they are. I think you then you would provide you are a valuable asset to NASA because you've worked on both sides and you can understand 
the role of an engineer and the role of a scientist in a mission, trying to you'll have understanding that would bring both sides together. You are a research fellow in NASA's postdoctoral program. Tell me more about this program. This program is a great program. It's fairly open-ended to help researchers develop their own research. I was working in the UK during my PhD, and a lot of these flight campaigns are joint campaigns, so between the UK, US, France. And I was, you know, I had a bunch of filters, and I was just trying to treat them as nanoparticles. I was in, like, different materials labs, looking at the particles and analyzing them, and then well, my current advisor at NASA, she she was asking my group if there was anyone analyzing these particles using filter-based methods, and I happened to be. So that's how we connected, and um, so we wrote a proposal together, and that's how um, I got into this program. Yeah, it's a great program. There's like $10,000 a year to for travel money and for conferences, so it's it's really geared towards developing individual you know, researchers. Highly recommend the program. I'd like to ask you a few questions about your early life. Can you describe your science journey to me? Were you interested in science as a kid? Uh, Not early on. No, I wasn't particularly interested in science until maybe at high school. Yeah. And even then, even by high school, I was interested in many topics like I loved English and arts I think I mostly want I probably wanted to be a writer when I was a kid I just read a lot of like fiction but I also I also did like you know the sciences I I also I liked having something solid like us you know like this is that can't be taken away like I, I had this this approach for education what do you mean that can't be taken away? Well, I was, you know, my, my mom, my parents came from Vietnam and they, you know, they grew up there. And so, you know, the U.S. was a new country for them. And as an only child of a single parent, I just felt like I, I needed something solid, you know, that I, I could hold on to. Because and at the same time, I felt because of this experience, I, I also didn't have that many it was open, you know, anything that I wanted to do, I, I could do because there wasn't this like predefined, like, I need to follow in someone's footsteps or I need, you know, as long as I had like a certain level of stability, it was very freeing in a way. But how did, how did you get into science? How did I get into science? Oh, so I just at, at University of Washington, I was interested in many things. I took classes in all sorts of things, um, anthropology, business, statistics. Yeah, and then I took this material science class, and I liked the hands-on aspect. Yeah. And I just, I just decided that it was so interdisciplinary that it was uh, good for me. Sounds like a great choice you made for yourself. Yeah, I loved it. So this is a two-part question. What excites you about coming to work every day and how has the pandemic affected your work, especially since we've been home for nearly two years? So what excites me is that I, I suppose it's it's very the work is very open ended. Anything that you want to work on, you you can pretty much if you get the data, you can work on it. And that's wonderful. It's also a little bit overwhelming sometimes, uh, but that's very exciting. And the 
of course, the mission of NASA in general is also very exciting. Like, you know, it's not hard to find meaning in, in studying the atmosphere or, you know, Earth processes. It's, it's easy in that way. The pandemic has definitely affected my work just because I haven't been in lab that much. And I generally that's that's where I feel like I'm I'm the best. You know, I, I like I get into this state of just flow concentration. I really love microscopes and I love being in lab. Like I just like this feeling that you're looking at something and no one's seen it, you know, and it's uh, so I miss that a lot in your career so far. What job has inspired you the most, made you think differently about your life and the world around us? That's a good question. Probably, it would probably have to be my my first job in, in aerospace. Like, I, just the amount of knowledge that was passed to me, and I was given projects that I felt were important, and also... I had a view of like the whole process and it also, you know, made me think about what I wanted to do in in my life. Like a lot of people worked there their entire lives and I, I respect that, but I, I was, I also felt like I, I wanted to discover new things. Right. So while I was there, it gave me the stability and the knowledge to, to, to move into other areas. I think, I think it was a good launch. And I would also say my master's, even though this is not a job, also inspired me a lot because I did my master's over in Budapest and in Manchester and in Greece. <laughs> it was a it's a European Union joint master's and especially the university in Budapest was just so international. There was uh, no main culture, main group, just because it was people from all over the world. I think it's one of the most international universities. You know, Eastern European countries, they're new democracies. So also just this feeling like you can start something new. You know, there's countries can change their government in 30 years. You can change, you can change something, you can start something new. I, I feel like that was quite inspiring, just the people that I met in this. If you weren't a scientist, what else might you be doing? Um, I... I think I've always really liked writing or it's hard to say, like <laughs> life trajectories can be so uh, different. But yeah, I think writing neuroscience recently become very interesting to me, like particularly like the imaging of the brain I like that. Um, but that's still science. So I, I would have to say probably writing. This is a podcast. There are no visuals of you to share with the audience. So I'm going to make some assumptions about you, and I want you to agree or disagree. I wear a white lab coat. Mm, disagree, although I have worn lab coats in the past. Not I sit behind a computer all day. Uh, recently, this is more and more true, but usually being lab-based, that's not true. <laughs> I have no hobbies or outside interests. Science research is my life. Disagree. I've I've many hobbies and interests, and um, I'm lucky that science is, you know, my job. I I like many things. I believe we're alone in the universe. No, although this is a loosely held opinion. I, I think there's probably bacteria somewhere and. 
I am inspired by. I'm inspired by. I think my family I find pretty inspiring. Just in my family, I'm best known for. I think I'm with my cousins, my younger cousins, known as the the cool cousin who's always traveling. Other people know me perhaps for being supportive, a little bit quiet, observant. How about at work? What are you best known for at work? Uh, perhaps for being able to use different analytical lab techniques or to learn learn new ones quickly. I think. And our final question. As a tribute to International Day of Women on March 8th, are there any particular women living now or in the past who inspired you or mentored you in science? Um, my first lead at my my first job, I would consider a great mentor. Um, she gave me interesting and important work and involved me in big picture discussions. She helped me grow. And my advisor here, even though we're all remote, she's also been very helpful. She's she's a go-getter. She go gets like different different projects and like she has a wide breadth of things she's interested in and working on. So I think, yeah, they've both been very, very helpful as mentors. Thank you, Caroline. It has been really interesting chatting with you today. I appreciate your time. Oh, it's been great, Sandy. Thank you for having me.